This is going to be a different series in that uh, it, what we're doing over the next several weeks is I'm going to preach today and hopefully set up this next four weeks, um, but we have different pastors from, from different churches coming in, and, and basically what I've done for this next series, because uh, it, it just seemed like we needed to, to do something uh, to, kind of, to kind of remind ourselves about what we're doing in church, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but we have different pastors coming in, and I, I asked some guys that I know who are passionate about different things that the church is supposed to be about coming in to preach sermons on those different things, and so uh, you're going to have some, some guest speakers roll through here. I will be here with you for all of those weeks but one, um, but I think it's going to be great, and I want to I start today by maybe offering some encouragement, maybe to myself, maybe to other pastors who might watch this later, but, uh, but to our church in general as well. Uh, it's been really hard to be a pastor the last 18 months. I've had like seven people tell me I should take a sabbatical. Uh, that means you're really losing your mind when everybody's like, you need a break, buddy. You're going to snap. Um, and they all know, and, and I love you for, for wanting that for me, but we, you know, it's been hard. And and I'm not the only pastor who feels this way. Any pastor I talk to, they, you know, they, have, they feel like quitting more than any other time in their ministry lives. And there's some people that have been pastors for forever and ever. And I haven't been shy about talking. You know, for some pastors to say that, you'd be like, wow. But I haven't been shy about it. I think you all already knew how difficult the last 18 months has been on, on me and, and on the other people who lead at this church. And uh, and our, on our incredible volunteers, uh, and so it does. It begs this in question. This question I think is really important. And I, I'll just I want you to know. I feel like when pastors start saying stuff like this, you're thinking like, is he quitting? Is like, but it's just not going to end like that. I promise. Uh, but but it does beg this question. Like, why keep doing church? I mean, church is hard in general, and it's been really magnified the difficulty of church over the last eighteen months. And and I think it's an important question to ask. Like why you know why keep doing this thing called church my friend of mine posted this thing on instagram the other day uh where where he was just like i don't know if he was in a bad mood or what but uh he was just like imploring churches to stop talking about their sunday services like they were so you know epic like with all the hype you see this language if you get advertised facebook for a church or whatever it's like join us this sunday for a life-changing experience and all, you know, those of us who've been in church a long time, we're like, probably not, right? Like, I mean, most Sundays is not a life-changing experience, not on a dramatic level anyway. We hope that it, it helps for the week, and we gather to worship God, not to have, you know, necessarily a life-changing experience. And sometimes church is life-changing, and I love that. We get response cards that come in, and we see, you know, little bits of, of life change. But most Sundays in most churches, there's not like a giant 180 that takes place for the average person who shows up, and, and we, we just know that, it, that it's not true, these, these hypey type epic visions of church, and, and most of the time, I mean, you come here, and, and maybe there's a little bit of life change, and you're reminded of some things, but you leave, and, uh, and, and sometimes you don't have any life change, you think, well, that was nice, or whatever, it's just a reality, and, and on top of that, church, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do sometimes, there's there's people in church that can bother us, don't look around, but there's people in church that, that bother us and can be a struggle for us and they can suck the energy out of us and, 
We know that oftentimes decision-making in, in churches is hard. We've seen a lot of that this year. It's been one big decision after another, and I, I talked about that last week. And, and then on top of that, we know that church is really flawed. Like, like if you've shown up and you're looking for a perfection and for people that are, you know, uh, have all of it figured out, like you're not going to ever find that in a church. We, we see that, you know, that there's people who lie in church and churches can lie to you. And I've talked about that a lot over the last few weeks. There's a lot of pastors, a lot of famous ones even, who don't even tell the truth about what's in the Bible. I'm amazed lately at how many people I talk to who, who are just told wrong things about what's in the Bible that we are actually teaching, and then they just assume because some leader in a church told them this was in there, it's like, well, that's in the Bible, and you're like, I've never read that part, <laughs> and I've read the Bible you know, a good amount of times at this point. Uh, we see that there's sin in churches, and sometimes there's epic sin maybe that should be the advertisement for the church we have no epic sin you know or we did but we're trying to get over it but there's there's like major falls of of famous pastors happening all around us but on top of that like people in the church just do sinful bad morally reprehensive sometimes things church is a sacrifice on top of that it requires money to do what we do here in church and you, you give up your time uh, some of us sweat for church, I, you know, as, as a mobile church, I, I kind of joke and I'm kind of serious that you're not really that involved until you've bled for church. I've bled for this church so many times, literally. Uh, I mean, my blood is all over our old equipment, so uh, it just happens. If you've never hit your head in our church's trailer, then, uh, then well, maybe you need to get more involved in the ministry of this church. It's just a, it's just a part of, of, of church, but it's hard, and, and it's like, you know, why do it? Why be a part of it if there's all of these flaws and all of these struggles and, and all of these, these difficult things that, that we do? And, and that's what I want to talk about today because over the next several weeks, as I mentioned, we're going to have these guys come in and they're going to talk about some of the really important things of church. And one of my convictions just recently, I guess, is that, that I personally have lost sight of all the important things that we are supposed to be about. I, I alluded to this last week in an announcement, but like so much of my attention has been on COVID and how to deal with all the things that we have to deal with as a church that, that I think I've like forgotten about all the important stuff that we're supposed to be doing as, as a church. And even as we plan to move into the future, into fall and into winter, and we're starting to get back out ahead of things, which is one of my, my skills as a pastor is like being out ahead and making sure that we have a plan and we're headed somewhere. As I think about all those things, so much of it, even, even in the good stuff that I'm planning, is driven by, oh yeah, but how are we going to because of all of this COVID stuff? And I'm excited to have these friends of mine come in and, and talk to us about the important things. But before they do that, today, I just want to say, like, you know, why, why do any of it at all? Like, why should you be a part of these things that they're going to talk about in the several weeks to come, in the next several weeks? And, and I want to answer this question through Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. If you know anything about the book of Revelation, then you just think that's weird. It's a weird book. But what's sometimes lost is the brilliance of the book. And part of the brilliance is that it's written to seven churches in the province of Asia. And what makes it unique for, I think, our situation today is that in large part, 
the book of Revelation is written to these seven churches because they are facing situations, you know, heresy within the church, persecution from outside the church primarily. They are facing situations that have to be causing them to ask the question like, wow, this is hard. Why keep doing it? You know, I mean, why serve this area that we are in as the church? Why, why continue on when all of it is getting you know, so difficult? And, and I think in, in Revelation chapter 1, like, like we, we, see, we see the answer. The whole book gives us the answer to that question, I think. It's sometimes lost in the, you know, the, the crazy language. But, but especially in Revelation, we begin to get glimpses of, of why we, why you, should be a part of this thing that we call church. And the answer is just going to be like this. I think this is kind of, if I can summarize before I start, we keep doing church because of Jesus and through Jesus and, and for Jesus. And here's how I want to start. Revelation 1, 4, and 5. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Like I said, these churches are are facing these incredibly difficult things. I I would argue that what they're about to face is worse than anything that, that we have faced even in the last year and a half as far as like should we keep going you know like they're gonna have to make a decision about their lives and whether this thing called church is worth giving their life for and so we begin here with this this simple introduction but I think it's important uh, the the words just the two words are so important like grace and peace it says grace and peace to you to these seven churches and man I know for me I'm speaking to me but maybe you're like this like in the midst of all of the things that have distracted us in the last year have taken our attention like we it's so easy it's so easy to just forget all about the grace and the peace that God has offered me through Jesus I mean like we must not forget about God's grace that he is bestowed upon us gifts that we do not deserve primarily the gift of forgiveness and salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus but there's so many things on top of that 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 we have been gifted with that we absolutely do not deserve we have love from God and and reconciliation to one another I mean we could go on and on and on about all of the things that God has given us that we do not Deserve, And I think we would do well as individuals and as a church to maybe stop thinking so much about all that's happening in the world and to just remember that no matter what takes a place around us, we have been given incredible gifts by the creator of the universe that we absolutely did not do anything to earn. We did not deserve it in any way whatsoever. In the midst of all the COVID stuff and all the fighting and all the arguing, I can be... I can tell you that I have lost sight at many times in the last year and a half of of just why I got into this thing in the first place. And it's because I recognized my need for the grace that God offered through 
Jesus. And when I say into this thing, I mean into Christianity, and then I mean into ministry and into church. I mean, it's the reason I'm here is primarily because I recognize that God has graciously given me the gifts of forgiveness and joy and hope and love and a family that, that goes beyond my blood family, all of these incredible things. That's why I'm here. And if we're going to answer the question, you know, why church, why be a part of this thing? Well, it has to be, it has to start with grace because we, we've received grace and, and peace. I mean, good night. You don't have to raise your hand because I know it's all of you, but how many of you need a little more peace in your life? I mean, that is, oh, if you ask me the opposite of everything going on in the world, it'd be peace. I mean, you know, like I, describe, just give me the the opposite of the world, and I think it's peace. That's, that's the answer. I think that should be on thesaurus.com at this point. Like, there is hardly anybody who feels peace at this point. And I think what we've done, what we've done is, is that we have, we have turned our eyes away from Jesus onto everything else, and we're never going to find peace by trying to find the perfect solution to the problems we face. We're never going to find peace by looking at all of the data. We're never going to find peace by, you know, finding the perfect protection for ourselves. We're never going to find peace. We're only going to find peace by, by turning our attention to Jesus and, and the grace that he's offered us. That, that old hymn that says, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his lovely face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. And, and I believe that, that we have peace when the things of this world grow dim. You know, when we, when we lose sight of everything going on in the world, that's when we actually can have peace. And it only happens by turning our attention to Jesus. It can only be found in Jesus. And then after this, you know, this little introduction, John describes God, and he even describes the Trinitarian nature of God. As Christians, we believe that God is uh, is one being in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, And he describes this and it's important to see uh, the descriptions here uh, of this Trinity, uh, but it's even more important, I believe, to see how he centers in on Jesus. You see, he focuses on the, on the Trinity. We see creation. We see this idea of God that he's all-knowing and all-powerful and he's able to be anywhere and he's eternal and he's all-wise and we can see the power of God in our own lives and that's really important to focus on but, but John really wants us to think about who Jesus is and he, he says three things about Jesus. First, Jesus is the faithful witness. Jesus testifies by his very life to the importance of God's reconciliation mission. God wanted to be reconciled. He wanted to be reunited with sinful humanity. And so Jesus came to earth. And, and man, if, you, if you've ever read the story of Jesus in the Bible, it's kind of incredible to see how he just stayed on mission the whole time. People wanted him to get caught up in a lot of different things, but he stayed on mission mission. And you say, well, well, why church? Because church is the next step in God's mission to reconcile the world to himself. And, and if you're a Christian, then you serve Jesus. And if you want to be like Jesus, then you do church because you're on that same mission and you can't turn your eyes or your mind or your life away from that mission. It says that Jesus is the firstborn 
from the dead. This is a big deal, especially for people who might die for their faith, who, who might lose their lives because of this church thing. And, and, and Jesus' resurrection reminds us that it's worth it, even if church costs us everything, even if it requires the ultimate sacrifice, it's worth it because we know that we too will be resurrected from the dead. And that is a reason to keep going. It says that Jesus is the ruler of the kings of earth. And as we face all of these difficult things and we struggle along, you know, I think realizing often that, that people above us that have more power above us, they don't have our best interest in mind. And we go, wait, we do not, it's not them that we serve. It's somebody above them. It's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it compels us to keep going because we know that Jesus is in control. Jesus is a faithful witness. And he also shows us that we, that we are, will be resurrected resurrected and he is ultimately in control and this calls us to keep going in our christian lives but for these churches it calls us to keep going for, for it calls them to keep going as a church the church is is centered on an incredible god but it's also centered on an incredible god who is with us and this compels us to carry on we keep doing church because of jesus and through jesus and for jesus and he continues, to him who loves us, pay attention to this, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. John moves from telling us about who Jesus is and saying, keep going because of who you serve. And now he says, keep going because of what the person did, what Jesus did. He's like, not just who he is, but what he did on your behalf and notice i mean these things are so important he he loves us i mean think about that our god loves us and he loves us so much that he freed us from sin by his death that's what i've already alluded to this this gospel story this good news that all people are sinners and all people deserve to be eternally separated from the one who created them and he created us to be in a relationship with him but we rejected him in you know, just about every way. And so Jesus came to earth. This is why he came to earth. He came to earth in order to bring us back into relationship with God and to save us from hell. And he did that by dying and coming back to life. He, he loves us. And, and every one of us, almost every one of us, I'll say, ended up in church at some point because we recognized or we stayed in church because we recognized God's love for us. A lot of people go to church because, you know, their parents did it. A lot of people go to church because, I don't know, because they think it's a good idea. Some people go to church because they sell insurance and they want to meet more people, you know. Like, there's a lot of reasons people will go to church. But people who stay in church, it's because at some point in their life, they recognized at a deep level how much God loved them. I'll tell you what I did this week. I, uh, I just needed to be reminded of this, you know, like why I got into this. And, and um, I put on, now this is going to really, like you're going to be like, this is a real church guy. Like this kid grew up in church when I say this. And some of you will understand. And if you didn't grow up in the church, you'd be like, what did he just say? But, but I put on, on Apple Music, Wow Worship 2001. Do you remember the Wow Worship CDs? So I still think they do them, but I put on the 2001 version of Wow Worship. And 
And, and man, these songs that we, that we no longer do in church, um, and maybe we should, but, but like, they, they, you know this about music, right? This is why old people hate the music that we do, and, uh, and, and I, when I'm with young people, hate the music that they do, because like, they're not, you're not doing the right songs. These aren't, but because, because the worship songs that we sing when we first recognize God's love in our life they have this powerful effect on us for the rest of our lives because they, this is what I think, they draw us back to those early moments when we understood how deeply and sacrificially God loves us, right? And so I put this, this wow worship on, I remember these songs, but the words, they, they were coming out of me, it's like, I didn't, I didn't remember this existed, and some of it sounds corny, but it still hit me deep in my soul, and uh, why keep going like, why do church? Because, because we recognize God's love for us. And, and, and church is a natural response to that. It's been a response to that from the very beginning. People started gathering to worship Jesus. They, they did church because they loved Jesus. They weren't, they, you know, it wasn't a cultural thing because it wasn't such a thing, right? They just started getting together to celebrate the fact that they now love Jesus because he first loved them. Then he says that the this, this same Jesus made us to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, the truth of the New Testament is that we were, we were created, called, and equipped to do something for Jesus. And the reality is that those things find their expression most of the time through the church. Christians are not called to show up and, and listen to somebody preach and, you know, listen to some music or whatever. We, we are called to, to work, to work and work together in order to move God's mission forward. Uh, here's the reality for you. Without you serving a church or our church, then God's church cannot be all that God wants it to be, like a part of God's work on this earth is missing if you're not, if you're a Christian and you're not serving in some way. That's the reality. We, we have it all backwards because, because people, are, are, they come and, and all they think about is whether they liked the sermon or whatever, but, but church in large part is, is a place, it is the place for you to use the gifts that God has given you to do the ministry that he has called you to do. That's a big part of church. Church is not just a sermon and some music. Church isn't just hanging out. It's an outlet for you to serve God in the way that he has called you to do, and it makes it absolutely important. You can hear a better sermon than this by getting on a podcast this week. You can hear better music, no offense, guys, than the music that you just heard by getting on to Apple Music or YouTube or wherever you find your music this week. But listening to a sermon and listening to some music does not give you an outlet to serve God. And so we keep doing church because God has equipped you to do something. And we gather and we get together and we organize in order that you can express that thing that you have been called to do. We keep doing church because of Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus. It's a big deal. And on top of that, I mean, it says here that we have the life of Jesus. Uh, we have the presence of Jesus. And we have God's commands for how we do church. 
and it all is for this one giant thing. And this is, man, this is such a big deal. It's, uh, it's horribly underrated, I think. The writers of the New Testament, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, paint this picture that's it's horribly hard to live up to, and it's this picture right here. Every church should be a representation of Jesus. When people look at a local church, it should give them the right impression about who Jesus is and how Jesus acted and why Jesus came to earth. Now, sometimes, listen, sometimes churches do a, an absolutely horrible job of that, but it's still the job of the church, and if, if Christians stop doing church, then that job cannot be lived out. In fact, people, they can turn to the Gospels and they can read about Jesus, but, but if you ask the question, how can people experience Jesus today? They should be able to look at a local church and experience him through the way that that church is coming together and, and living out the calling that God has for them. Now listen, I think this, I see this thing, and, and this is just coming into my mind now, but, but I see this, I've, I've been seeing this thing all over the place um, lately. So many people about my age are leaving the faith. They're no longer calling themselves Christians. And when I hear their stories, it's really interesting because they never, ever say, I just found it illogical to continue believing that Christian thing. They don't even say they stop believing in Jesus as their Savior. It's so weird. Like, it's like the punchline is coming, and it never comes when you hear these, this is the buzz term, deconstruction stories. You actually, you never hear a person say they stop believing. They always say, they always say, I went to that one church, and there was that one problem, and it really made me not want to do this thing anymore. I would say a couple of things there. First of all, look, just recognize the church will always be an imperfect picture of the Jesus that we serve. And so there's just no way around that. That's just going to be the way it is. But I would also call us as a church to, to really think about how important this deal is that people, people are rejecting Jesus because local churches have not done it the way that God has called them to do it. Now, sometimes they are doing it that way, and people just get mad and leave, but, but oftentimes it's real, and it's deep sin that causes people to reject a, a Jesus that they even continue to believe in as the Savior of the world, and you say, well, why church, and why take it seriously, and why fight on? It's because somebody is going to look at us, and they are going to make their decision about what Jesus is like, and I hope that they will see Jesus for who he is when they look at Creekside Bible Church. But that only happens in full if you, if you keep doing it and you keep doing it in the way that God has called you to. It only happens, frankly, if, if we live out the things that you're going to hear in the next several weeks as I try to set up this sermon series. If we take our attention and we place it on everything else that the world is placing their attention on and we forget about the important stuff, then when people look at us, they're not going to see anything that looks at all like Jesus. They're just going to see something that looks like the rest of the world. And that is no good for anybody. 
Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is both comforting and compelling. We should be people who remember that Jesus will return and it should keep us going in church. But then this part in Revelation 1, 12 and 13, I think this is so important. I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Now this is, we learn later in verse 20 that this is a reference to churches. The, the, the lampstands here are churches and it's a this picture this reference to the old testament exodus 25 and in the temple in the book of exodus the 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 it had lampstands so that the priest could actually see to do the work that god had called them to do like killing animals and things like that and just before the temple is built we we see uh in exodus just before the tabernacle is built in exodus we see this mount sinai experience where this mountain is on fire and God's presence in there is there. And then you can read more about this in Zechariah 4 in the temple. And, and, and then you see that it's golden. I think that's really interesting, which probably signifies the nature of God being you know, valuable and precious and all of those things. If you know kind of the menorah, right, like Hanukkah, there's, there's uh, seven candles and they stand for Israel. And, and so it just feels, right, like if you're like, what's Chad telling us all this useless information for? It just feels kind of like a big deal to be called a golden lampstand. Like if a church is a golden lampstand, it kind of feels like a big deal. But why is it a big deal? And I think really the answer to that is, is twofold. When you consider Israel's place as a golden lampstand and when you consider it being in the temple, I think it suggests two things about every local church, that we are to be illuminators of God's presence and worship on earth. I believe, and this has been one of the hard parts of this year for me, that God is uniquely present when his, with his people when they are gathered. And when all of church is online, I just don't think that we, that we experience the presence of God in the same way. I like online church. I'm thankful that it's been there for us. I, I love knowing that people that, you know, move away can continue to watch our services. I, I think that's great. But I have built my entire ministry on the idea that God is uniquely present with us when we are together. In fact, I, I, that's how I define church. If you ask me what a church is, I would tell you that it's a group of people who gather in the presence of God. And when they separate, they have the promise of gathering together again in the presence of God. It's what separates us from a Christian concert. And there's going to be a great Christian singer at the fair this week, the state fair. And those people are all going to come together. And I'm sure that he will sing some form of a worship song. And, and, and then, you know, is that a church? No, it's not a church because they're not going to come back together. We do it consistently. God's presence is unique when a church gathers and that means that we are to be illuminators of God's presence and his worship on this earth. Think about what he's saying here. I mean, our church, our little church, is a golden lampstand. We are to be the holders in some way. The place where God is here on earth with people. That's such a big deal. Makes me feel so puny and like we'll never, you know, look at all like we should look like. But, but it's such a big deal. We are to be at a place where people can come and worship the God 
who made them because they experience his love, the love that we have already talked about. And even in the language here, it says Jesus is amongst these lampstands. And, and I think that's such a big deal. Like Jesus is with us. And, and John, in, in the midst of this later, we'll see that he, 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 like, he falls at Jesus' feet, though dead, because Jesus' presence is so powerful. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. The one who was dead and now is alive and holds the keys of death and hell is in our midst this morning. Isn't the afternoon? Thank you. <laughs> that makes this really important. Even if we don't get it right, even if it's not going to be epic this weekend, even if there's not going to be, you know, a massive life change, like over time, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we get together and we gather and we separate and we serve and we connect and we pray and we do all of these things that are so important to church, some of which you will hear about in the next several weeks. And all of it, all of it is to point people. First is to help people experience God's presence on earth, to point them to the gospel story that Jesus loved them enough to come and die for their sins so that they might too experience the love of God in order that they might join the church and be worshipers of God and help others experience his presence and go down the same line eventually. And that makes this a really, really big deal. There's one more thing. It's a bit weird, but in, in verse 20, it says, The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Craig S. Keener says, These angels most likely represent guardian angels of the congregation. I wish I would have thought about this 18 months ago. I like the idea, right? Whether that's right or wrong, like I love the idea that God would give us our own angel to be our messenger, to, to serve us in whatever way God needs. But either way, it demonstrates the value that our God has placed on local churches. This matters. Like, And every Sunday won't be this grandiose experience, but it absolutely matters. And... and to be honest with you, it hasn't felt like it in the last year. And I guess I'm preaching this sermon to me as much as you. But we've, we've just fought so hard to keep going and to stay alive and to find a place to be that, that I think for me, I just needed to get up here and, and remind you as I remind myself, like, this is a bigger deal than we ever make it out to be. This, this, is, this is a life-changing thing. Every one of us who who, you know, loves Jesus and, and has been a part of church, like we know that the church played a massive role in our lives, right? For me, I mean, at four years old, 
Uh, you've heard this story if you've been around any amount of time, but at four years old, we had missed church, and I was at home with my great-grandma, and, 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 and we were listening to a tape of the sermon, and this guy said, look, if you want to go to heaven someday, then you just got to believe Jesus died for your sins, and I believed it, and I was like, I'll bow my head right now, and I'll pray and accept Jesus into my heart. That's how I would have said it then, and man, I've thought about it through the years, what that took to get that in my hands, to get that tape there, to change my life forever. That was a church, right? Yeah, Tom Wilson preached a sermon, but some guy was in the back running a soundboard and some other guy was sitting in front of a tape wheel for hours on end. That's the real hero of the story. And some other person was working in the office to make sure that somebody could show up and get a tape. And man, we have so many different expressions of that in our church from from soundboard to internet to people running a live stream. Like we have so many things that happen here and all of it, all of it is important because all of it points people, shows people God's presence on earth and calls them to, to at least explore a relationship with the God who created them so that they might experience his love and be changed forever. And so for, for you and for me and for, for my pastor friends and for anybody who's given up on church, I just want to say this is such a big deal and it's a big deal because of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is and, and what he does in the midst of our, our congregation. We keep doing church because of Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus. And, and so that's what, makes, that's what makes it important that you show up here week in and week out and that you get involved and you serve and all those things. Why keep doing church? This is what I think is the most important line I'm going to offer you. Not for you. <laughs> Not for you. That's where we get at all kinds of backwards in American church. You don't keep doing church for you. You keep doing church because of Jesus. And where we messed it all up is we give these giant epic statements. Like it's going to be, like your life is going to be changed this week. And you're like, it wasn't. (laughs) You know, I mean, it wasn't. And you go, well, why am I here? My life's not changed every week. Well, you're not here because of you. You're here because of Jesus. That's why we keep doing church. That's why I'm going to keep doing church. And let me pray that we'll be a church that keeps going and represents Jesus. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, it's so, it, it, like, I hate when athletes are interviewed after winning a championship and they say it's humbling, um, God. But it, it is truly humbling to think about what a big role you've given people on this earth and, and what a big role you've given our local expression of church jesus like i mean to be the holder of your presence to be the the light god that that shows people what you are like that is that is like the weightiest responsibility jesus but i want to try to live it out i want people to be able to look at our church and say I think I understand better what Jesus is like. And I want to do that, God, not, <laughs> not just because it's fun or because it's easy, but because I have, I met you, Jesus. Like, you invited me to experience your grace and your peace, and, and, and you, Jesus, showed me the truth of your resurrection and, and taught me about how you are the all-powerful one, King of kings and Lord of lords. And because I believe God is, 
as God, that you are all-powerful and all-knowing and able to be everywhere, and you're all-wise, and you, you still, yet, despite that, you care about us, Jesus, as individuals. That's incredible, and I want more people to know that love, and so I pray, God, that, that we would, would well, we'll never live up to the task. We would try to live up to the task. I pray for those in front of me that are just like, why am I here? That this sermon would matter to them, and they would realize they're not here for them. They're here for you primarily, and, and man, church is such a blessing to us, God, and we get so much out of it, uh, but we get more out of it when we do it for you, I believe, Lord. And so I pray for those people. I pray for people who have, you know, never just they're, they're just left the church. And I pray you draw them back. Maybe some are watching online, and and, and they they just you know that's it. They consume our sermons on Sundays, and and that's it. Or the music, you know, our prayers. But but they're not really a part of church. Let them be a part of church for you, Jesus. I pray, and and I pray, God, that that in all of it, Lord, you would you would prove prove what you promised, that you would be amongst us and you would make our measly efforts matter. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.